Hey everyone, welcome to the Riverview Church Podcast. We hope that you're encouraged and inspired by today's message. We'd love for you to join us more frequently. So before we get started, why don't you take a moment to subscribe to our podcast? Here's today's message from Zach Gagler. Hey, tonight I want to talk to you about storms. Storms. We went on a family holiday in 2019 on a cruise ship. You're not doing that nowadays um, because of coronavirus, but maybe we were the last people to go on a cruise ship. But that was us. And we had a big family holiday on this cruise ship. And I couldn't believe how big cruise ships are. I've never been on one before. But this thing is 300 metres long. That's a long way. And I'd take you like 10 minutes to walk from one side to the other. It's 20 stories high. Think of a 20-story building and put it on a boat. That's a cruise ship. And uh, it was pretty incredible. And the stabilizers work so well on the boat um, that you don't even feel the movement of the water. You're kind of just cruising, you're eating in luxury, um, you're playing lots of games until one evening. And one evening, we were coming out of Wellington, New Zealand. Any New Zealanders in the house? You'll know Wellington is crazy windy. And that night, I tell you, there were some pretty big swells. And we started to feel it on the boat. We started to move left and right, front and back. And we were having dinner at the time. Everybody's at dinner service. And the dinner rolls start rolling from one side to the other on the table. And uh, immediately people are starting to feel a bit ill. And so they all stop dinner and they make a beeline to the service desk to get some seasickness pills. Anyone else get seasick in the house tonight? Well, I tell you, everybody stopped dinner and went to go and get them. And I discovered that night that there are two types of people in the world. People who keep their sick in and people who get their sick out. And uh, I discovered that my wife is the in kind of person. And uh, she took a seasickness pill that was also dosed with a tranquilizer of sleep stuff. And she was asleep till like 1 p.m. the next day. And uh, so she slept it off. And obviously last night we found out that my son is a get the sick out kind of kid, um, like his father. And it was pretty interesting on the ship. You know, obviously that wasn't what everyone expected that night. We were expecting to have a lovely dinner. But instead everybody's like, how you, how you going? You know, kind of false vomiting, looking at each other. And some of you right now are watching that going, oh, I'm feeling a little queasy. Any compassionate vomiters in the house? I am, I tell you. Listen, some of the most enjoyable journeys in life can be rudely interrupted by an unexpected storm. And uh, storms are an inevitable reality, inevitable reality of our life. They can be financial, they can be relational, they can be emotional, um, or they can be circumstantial. But like natural storms, they're frightening and a little unnerving. And in the book of Acts, uh, the Apostle Paul faces a storm of his own in Acts chapter 27. And now we're going to read that tonight and take some lessons from that. But before we read, let me first set the scene. See, the Apostle Paul is under arrest for his faith in Jesus and he's being taken to Rome to stand trial before Caesar. Of course, this is not what Paul expected would happen, but how many of you know sometimes God takes you on an unexpected journey into places you didn't expect? And that was certainly true for Paul in Acts 27. 
And we find him in Roman custody on his way to Italy to stand trial before Caesar. And he has a rather sudden and surprising experience on the boat. Let's read together from verse 6. The commanding officer found an Egyptian ship from Alexandria that was bound for Italy and he put us on board. We had several days of slow sailing, but after great difficulty, we finally neared Nidus. But the wind was against us, so we sailed across Crete and along the sheltered coast of the island, past the Cape of Salamone. We struggled along the coast with great difficulty, finally arrived at Fair Havens near the town of Lacia. We had lost a lot of time. The weather was becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was late in the fall, and Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. He said, men... I believe there is trouble ahead if we go on. Shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than Paul. When a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. So they pulled up an anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. But the weather changed abruptly and a wind of typhoon strength called a northeaster burst across the island and blew us out to sea. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. We sailed along the sheltered side of a small island named Cauda, where with great difficulty we hoisted aboard the lifeboat that was being towed behind us. Then the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it. They were afraid of being driven across the soundbars, not soundbars, sandbars of Sirtis off the African coast. So they lowered the sea anchor to slow the ship and were driven before the wind. The next day, as gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing cargo overboard. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars, until at last, all hope was gone. That is not a Kurong fridge magnet. That's not what you want to wake up to on verse of the day tomorrow morning, that at last all hope was gone. Sounds like a pretty dark and desperate situation, right? For Paul, he was stranded on a ship that looked in a hopeless situation a raging storm at sea, in the middle of the sea, threatening to sink the ship and take everybody's life. You know, the truth of the matter is all of us at some point in life will face a storm. Storms, be they financial, relational, emotional or otherwise, aren't just a possibility of life. They're an inevitability of life. Eventually in life, all of us in our faith life or in our personal life or in our work life will face some kind of storm. We'll find ourselves caught in a storm that's beyond our control. You know, a storm isn't always a crisis. It's sometimes just a place of great uncertainty and unknown. And the turbulence and the turmoil, the thunder and the lightning from that out of control storm often leaves us feeling frightened and unnerved and disorientated. And while we'll all inevitably face a storm in life that we can't control, we can always control how we face that storm. We can always control how we face up to the situation in front of us. You know, it's not about the cards that were dealt in life. It's about how we choose to play them that counts. How we choose to navigate the storms of life will determine whether we sink or swim, whether we survive the storm or whether we're broken by it. And you know, right now, Riverview is in the midst of a storm. 
And I know looking around, a bunch of people that I've spoken to are in huge personal storms of their own. Either at work or at home or in a relationship or some other significant area of your life, you're facing a storm. The title of today's message is God's encouragement for the storm. God's encouragement in the storm. And I want to share with you how Paul responds to this storm that will be an encouragement for each of us. That sound all right? You out there tonight? We're a little quiet in the house, so I don't mind if you speak up or you're excited about something. You can shout it out. I'm not going to be offended. It's going to be great. All right, first thing you need to know, God's encouragement for the storm. You're not alone in the storm. You're not alone in the storm. So Paul wasn't alone. The Bible tells us that Luke, the beloved physician and the writer of the book of Luke and the book of Acts was on the ship with him. So was his friend Ari. And God gave Paul favour in the eyes of the ship's captain, Julius, who let him dock at a certain port to visit some friends. How good's that? Have you ever been in a difficult time in your life and you've been shown the kindness of a stranger or someone you don't really know? Anybody? Yeah. Isn't it encouraging? You know, I feel like that's God's encouragement to us sometimes in the storms of life. Um, Last year, we were preparing for Christmas and um, Christmas is always a pretty big event on our church calendar and it requires a lot of rehearsals and um, normally my life is pretty crazy. Um, Coming into Christmas time, I'm out a lot. Uh, We're doing a lot of rehearsals. We're preparing a lot. There's a fair bit of stress. And I remember last year, there was a whole heap of other stuff going on personally for us that we were battling through. And you could say that I was in a stormy time. And I remember one of our team, um, Brayden, who's hosting our online stream tonight. um, Brayden came to me and he just gave me this little gift. He gave me some lollies and some toys for my kids. He gave me a card to write my wife because he knew I couldn't get to the shops to get one. He gave me um, some snacks and some little things like that. And I tell you what, I felt in that moment such a small little act of generosity just reminded me that I wasn't alone in the storm in what I was facing, that I wasn't on my own. And it meant so much to me. You know, you're not alone in the storm and you need to know that tonight. You're not alone. Tell the person next to you, I'm with you. Come on, say it louder like meaning. I'm with you. And tell the person on the other side, I'm with you too, even though I chose you second. Listen, we are... The body of Christ, Paul calls us. We are a body. We're meant to be together and we're meant to rely on one another. We are God's gift to one another, believe it or not. (laughs) Verse Corinthians 12 says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. There should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. I love that. We're meant to share in one another's concerns. You're not alone in the storm. You know, to extend the metaphor of the body, what does the body do when you have a broken bone? It starts to compensate. The part that's weak needs to be allowed to heal, but the rest of the body is strong and compensates for that weak part in the body. And I think someone here tonight needs to know that you're not here by accident. You're not here by accident. You might be going through a really difficult time. You might be hurting and you may be in harm's way, but you need to know that the people around you are God's encouragement in the storm, that you're not alone. 
the brothers and sisters alongside you as a part of the body are ready to lift up your arms, to help you carry your burden, to point your eyes towards Jesus and remind you that hope still remains. Amen. Yeah, come on. Let's encourage each other tonight. So you're not alone in the storm. Number two, His presence is with you in the storm. Paul speaks with great confidence in the face of the storm because an angel of the Lord visited him. Listen to what it says in verse 21. It says, Paul called the crew together and said, Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all of this damage and loss, but take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. (laughs) For last night, an angel stood beside me and said... You know, many of you here tonight are holding on to dreams, visions, pictures that God's given you in the past. And I want to encourage you to draw down on those dreams, pictures and visions in the midst of the storm you're facing. You see, the angel visited Paul and a pre-visitation enables a mid-storm declaration. Did you catch that? A pre-visitation from God, a word, a picture, a vision, a dream, something He's deposited in your heart is not meant to just stay in that pre-space, but that's actually meant to be declared in the midst of the storm. Because the truth is, God is with you. His presence is with you. And these things that He's deposited in our hearts remind us that His presence is with us and He's not letting us go, amen? God is with you and will not forsake you. Pre-storm visitations enable mid-storm declarations. Listen to what it says in Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. One of the main words the Bible uses um, to describe the Holy Spirit is the Greek word paraclete. Everybody say paraclete. The word literally means to be called to one side or the one who encourages and uplifts. And the primary purpose behind the Bible using Holy Spirit and describing the Holy Spirit as paraclete is to teach us one essential truth. And that's that God's presence is with us because His presence lives in us. Okay? The Bible says that the presence of God inhabits His people, that He takes up residence within And do you know that in the midst of the storm, you can roar like a lion because there's a lion roaring in you. So don't lose heart. God's with you in the storm. You know, a friend of mine um, who goes by the name of Truth, I was talking with him um, about six weeks to eight weeks ago and we were talking about a bunch of things that he was battling through in his life. He comes from a history of addiction and uh, has miraculously been clean and God's been doing a great work in him. Um, But he's been struggling through it and uh, really came to me with a bunch of doubts that he was having about his faith in God. And so we met up and we talked about the doubt that he's having. And I tried to explain, I guess, that doubt isn't antithetical to faith, that in fact, doubt is a doorway to a deeper faith and understanding that God is with you in the midst of the doubt. And um, I said to him, you know, at the end of the day, I think you just need to pray that God would reveal himself to you again. 
And uh, so we prayed a little bit together and truth went away and he met with a bunch of guys for a Bible study and he texted me later that week and he said, Zach, you wouldn't believe what happened. We're praying together and I asked, you know, I prayed exactly what you said, Lord, just reveal yourself to me. And the Holy Spirit fell in the room and truth started speaking in tongues, just declaring this heavenly language that would encourage his soul and would encourage him in the midst of what he's going through. Now, listen, his storm didn't go away, but truth was reminded in that moment that God's presence is with him in the storm, which is incredible encouragement for us. And I want to remind you that His presence is with you. Whatever you're going through, His presence is with you. He hasn't abandoned you in Jesus' Name. Third, you still belong to Him in the storm. God's encouragement is that you belong to Him. Acts 27 verse 23, Last night an angel of the God whom I belong to and whom I serve said, don't be afraid, Paul. See, Paul was confident in the midst of the storm because he knew he didn't belong to the guards, he belonged to God. He didn't belong to those who were keeping watch over him. Someone else was keeping watch over him who was far above the name of these guards, the name of the Roman authorities, and his name was God. He was God's possession, in other words. You know, sometimes in the storm, I don't know about you, but for me, in the storm, I can often feel like I've become like God's lost possession. <laughs> like I know He's with me, but I feel like maybe He's misplaced me and kind of left me over there and left me to forget about me. I know that He's with me. I know that truth, but I often sometimes don't feel it. I feel like a lost possession. I'm not sure if that speaks to anyone tonight. You know, a few months ago, um, we had a bit of a scare at school. We were doing school pickup with our youngest child, Felix. Um, and we went to pick him up and we got talking with another group of parents and we turned our back and uh, all of a sudden Felix was gone. And I don't know if any parents in here that have ever experienced like losing a child for a moment. And I tell you, man, it is the most freaky thing. And we looked for probably 15 minutes. Uh, maybe it wasn't 15 minutes. Maybe it was only like five, but it felt like 15 minutes. And we had every other parent scouring the whole school grounds looking for him. Everybody's calling out, Felix, Felix. And we couldn't find him. And uh, so we decided last ditch attempt, we're going to go across to our car and maybe he's waited there. Now our car was across a super busy road. And alas, we got to the car and we found him there. And he'd walk across this road all by himself and he was waiting and he said to me, I was just waiting for the car to be unlocked. <laughs> Man, scared me. And I tell you what, when I found him, man, the joy in my heart when I found my boy. Do you know that's how God feels about you? That's how He feels about you. You might feel like a lost possession, but He's looking for you. He is searching for you. And when He finds you standing at that locked car, His heart explodes with joy. Man, He loves you. You are His possession. You belong to Him. And He looks after the things. Oh, gee, I just need to get that out of my system tonight. You know, Jesus tells stories about lost things tells a story about a lost son, a lost coin and a lost sheep. And I think we make a big deal about the thing that these things are lost. But you know, these stories aren't actually about lost things. These three stories about the joy of found things. 
the coin is found by the woman and she invites all of her neighbours to celebrate the fact that she'd found the coin. The sheep goes, not the sheep goes looking, the shepherd goes looking for the sheep and when he finds the one sheep and brings it back to the 99, they celebrate. The father waits patiently for his son to return. And what does the Bible say? He puts on the biggest feast. There's so much joy as his son comes home. What a great reminder for each of us that no matter what happens in the storm, no matter what's going on, nothing can separate us from the love of God. His grace is sufficient in every season. He loves you. You belong to Him. Remember that in the midst of the storm. 1 Peter 2, you are a chosen people. You're a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For He called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. You're God's possession. And because of that, as His possession, you can reveal a little bit about the owner, a little bit of His character. And that links to our next point. Number four, in the midst of the storm, you can still serve Him. God's encouragement to you in the storm that you're facing is that you can still serve Him in the storm. Listen to what, it, what Paul says. Last night, an angel of God whom I belong to and whom I serve. Do you know that in moments of challenge, in moments of chaos and crisis, I think God does His best work in us. <laughs> think about Moses from let my people go to crossing the Dead Sea to 40 years in wilderness. Talk about a stormy season. Think about Joshua, who is called to be strong and courageous and take the promised land given to him. But first, he needs to slay the giants. Think about David, who faced Goliath and was hunted by Saul until he eventually became king. Think about Daniel, who experienced unbelievable pressure to renounce God and bow the knee in Babylon, but he stood firm. Think of beautiful Ruth, whose husband dies and she refuses to stay in Moab and remarry, but stays with Naomi to serve her and eventually finds her Boaz. Listen, I think we need to get a revelation tonight. Stop asking God to take you out of the storm and start serving Him in it. You know, serving Him doesn't always mean staying in safe harbour. What did FDR say? He said that a smooth sea never made a skilled sailor. A smooth sea never makes a skilled sailor. You know, the safe harbour of life doesn't grow your capacity. It doesn't test your faith. It doesn't grow your character. It doesn't prepare you for what's to come. It keeps you in a place of comfort. God isn't calling us to comfort, friends. He's calling us to serve Him in the storm, regardless of what's happening around us. You know, storms can be God's gift to us to refine our faith, to test our character and to grow our capacity. Amen. Think about Joseph. Joseph, what, is given a dream by God. He tells his brothers, he gets sold into slavery, into captivity and finds himself in a prison, a far stretch from what the dream was that God gave him. But imagine if Joseph in the prison time refused to serve God. He's like, you know what, I've been given this gift to interpret dreams, but I'm gonna wait till I talk to the king in order to interpret them. It would never have happened. Listen, don't forsake the prison season that you're in. Because the prison season, as Pastor David said last week, the prison season, the difficult season, the stormy season is essential to grow our capacity, to grow our character, to one day stand in the palace, hey? 
If we don't go through these seasons and continue to serve God, I don't believe He'll release us into all He's called us to or we'll never become all that He desires. You know, I hear a lot of people saying, um, I just need a break from serving God. Oh, that's a tough call. Sorry, I'm gonna get a little tough love in this moment. Or, you know, I'll start serving again when things settle down. 2020, are things ever gonna settle down? I mean, come on. I think we're gonna catch a revelation that serving is not a one-time event or a season of our life. It's a lifelong pursuit of serving God. God calls us to serve Him. Now, let me clarify, by serving, I don't mean just volunteering in church. Although that's a really great thing to do and I encourage you to sign up after. No, um, Volunteering in church is a huge way that we can serve. But by serving God, I don't mean volunteering in church. I mean serving Him in your neighbourhood. I mean serving Him in your workplace. Serving Him and lifting up His name in your family. Serving God looks like far more than serving in the four walls of a church. Serving looks like being a chaplain at Perth Football Club, having crazy conversations about faith and life. That's serving God in the midst of whatever you're going through. Don't stop serving God. Listen to me. Serving is not about retiring. You don't retire from serving. If you're not dead, you're not done serving God in His kingdom in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. You don't need much to serve God. The little boy just brought some loaves and some fish and look what Jesus did. So just use what's in your hand to fulfil what is in your heart and God will continue to take you from strength to strength. Listen to what Deuteronomy 11 says, I command you today to love the Lord your God and to serve Him with all of your heart and all of your soul. Amen? Number five, He provides protection and safety in the storm. So as we spoke about earlier, um, you are God's possession and God promises to take care of His possessions. He doesn't just provide for those that belong to Him, but He protects those that belong to Him. Listen to what the angel said to Paul in verse 24. Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. See, this is God's promise to us, an application to us that God will continue to protect us and look after us, to continue to provide safety in the midst of what we're going through. But I think often we misunderstand what safety means. You know, God's protection isn't necessarily the removal of all stormy conditions and sunny skies. That's not often how God works. The Bible tells us that Paul still needed to go through the storm and navigate the storm, but God's protection and safety was there nonetheless. So in the midst of the storm, God's protection is that we're held secure by someone who is strong and mighty. And the Bible has a lot to say about how God protects us. He calls God, the psalmist calls God our strong tower, our sun and our shield, our very present help in time of need, our, tr- in our refuge, in our fortress, our hiding place. Let me read some Scripture to you tonight from Psalm 34. It says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him, and He delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him. Fear the Lord, you holy people, holy people, for those who fear Him lack nothing. Listen to 2 Thessalonians 3. But the Lord is faithful and He will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. Nahum 1 verse 7. The Lord is good, a refuge 
refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in Him. 2 Timothy 4, The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to His heavenly kingdom. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Can you say amen tonight? That is the promise of God to each of us. Listen, we may feel some wind. We may experience some lightning, some thunder. We may see darkness and rain all around us, but God's covering of protection and safety, His love will surround us to ensure that whatever we're going through, we don't face it alone. God's care and protection may not stop the storm from happening around us, but it does provide incredible strength for every battle that we face in this life. Last encouragement from the storm. Are you doing okay? He gives faith to stand in the storm. I find it interesting that the angel of the Lord speaks to Paul's fear before he speaks to the fact that they're going to be okay. <laughs> Listen to it in verse 24. It says, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you your life and those who sail with you. I find it interesting and perplexing that normally you'd be like, you're going to be okay. And so don't fear. But the angel says, don't fear, you're going to be okay. I wonder if there's something in that. I wonder if it's like God knows that the storm within our heart and mind is actually more destructive than the storm outside of us. You know, so often when I'm faced with unknown and uncertainty, I'm given to fear. I don't know if you're like me, but man, I battle with it every day. A sense of fear of not knowing how things are gonna work out. And I think God knows that the fear in our heart is more destructive often than the circumstances that we face. A 16th century philosopher once said on his deathbed, he said, you know, I've had a lot of trouble in my life, but not much of it has actually happened. <laughs> Isn't that true? You know, every time we sit in fear and every time we sit in doubt and every time we let it run rampant in our minds and our hearts and we let it play this cycle over and over, I believe that we give the enemy a foothold in our life. And we come into agreement more with the doubts and the lies than we do with the truth of God. What if God doesn't come through? What if I don't get that payment from my employer? What if that relationship can't be mended? What if, what if, what if? But I wanna tell you tonight, what if? What if? What if God did do it? What if God did come through? What if His promises are truly yes and amen? What if no weapon formed against you will prosper? What if I lack nothing? What if His goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life? What if He will comfort? What if He will heal? What if He did reveal? What if He did restore? What if He did redeem? What if He did free? What if He did bring breakthrough? What if He did save? What if? God wants to deposit a what if spirit in our heart tonight. I was thinking about this this morning and was thinking about Peter. You know that passage where he walks out upon the water? He gets out of the boat because Jesus calls him out. 
and he starts walking. And I think we make a big deal in church about the fact that Peter sunk and he did sink, but Peter also stood on the water. And it it crossed my mind that I guess what was going on for Peter was both what ifs, this tension of both, of like, oh, what if I do fall? And as soon as his eyes were focused on his circumstance, he started to crumble and was given into fear. But as long as his eyes were focused on Jesus, the person of who he had faith in, he was able to walk on water. Listen, our faith is not in circumstance. This what if spirit I'm talking about is not about temporal things. What if spirit that God wants to deposit in our hearts with the faith to stand in the midst of the storm is based on an unchanging and unshaking God, amen? The direction of our focus determines the level of our faith. Acts 27 verse 25. This is Paul's final statement for tonight. So keep your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen as He told me. Listen, faith is not the absence of fear. Faith is trusting God in the face of fear. Faith is when the size of my God is bigger than the size of my doubts. Faith is when I hold fast to the Word that He has spoken, even in the midst of the circumstances and the thunder and lightning around me. Isaiah 46 verse 11, I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. So my encouragement to us, Riverview, is simple. Keep your courage. Keep your courage. He gives you faith to stand in the storm. So remember, it's not about the cards that you're dealt in life. It's how you choose to play them, how you respond to the situation. I wanna encourage you that we can react, that we can speak, that we can carry ourselves with love for the sake of the Gospel. And how we respond will often determine whether we sink or swim. Remember, God's encouragement in the storm. You're not alone. His presence is with you. You belong to Him. You can still serve Him. He provides protection and safety and He gives you faith to stand in the storm. Can you say amen? Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet tonight? If you were encouraged by today's message, we'd love to stay connected. And the best way to do that is to subscribe to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you're using. To experience other messages, videos, live gatherings, or find out how you can belong at Riverview, visit us online at riverviewchurch.com.